eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Hey, y'all. Who dat? And welcome in. I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm coming at you solo. Today gave Steve the day off. And I'm going to give you a quick rundown of a few things that happened this week, we're going to talk about Dennis Allen's interview on the NFL Report podcast. That's what Steve Weich and James Palmer he talked about the Clint Kubiak hire and, you know, some of these other hires that have been announced this week. Second and third segments are going to be exclusively we're going to I'm going to introduce you to each of the six coaches that were hired officially this week. We already knew about several of them, but we can now talk about them as they have the job. They're even on the they're even on the Saints website now. So we can officially say, hey, these guys work here. Now they need to get their official Saints headshots because when you look at the uh, Saints website for their coaches, it's it's a whole bunch of different shirts on there right now. Uh, but they're 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 in there. I don't expect to see any more significant hires. I do think there is one opening in terms of you have one fewer staff member than you did last year. I, you don't have to fill that staff position. It, it would be an assistant to to whatever. You know, it, it, it might be a situation where 
you put Jari Evans into that into the Kevin Carberry role and you just you just run with it. So you might see another assistant hired somewhere down the line, but either way, it's not going to be a a big name or anyone you get super excited about. So let's put a pin in that for now and we're going to move forward to the interview. Dennis Allen talked on the NFL Report podcast. He was asked about several topics, but primarily talked about Clint Kubiak, the decision to overhaul the offensive staff, to really rebuild the offensive staff. Now, and this is the way I phrased it as I've written about it over the past several weeks, is this is the biggest shift in offensive philosophy, just in general, for the Saints since they hired Sean Payton in 2006. Full stop. I mean, it, it really is that significant. The Saints have not done anything remotely close to this since Sean Payton took over, and that includes when Sean Payton left in 2021. And, and you could be critical of this decision, and I was critical of this decision. I'm still critical of this decision. Sean Payton went out the building, but they still ran his offense. They chose to stick with Pete Carmichael. They chose to retain that continuity. And so the offense was this weird kind of reflection of what it used to be and run by someone who, while having a key role in it, was definitely not the architect of it in Pete Carmichael. And realistically speaking, when you look at the Clint Kubiak time in in Minnesota, in terms of he took over an offense that was created by his father and understood it, knew it, understood how to run it, but didn't create it, right? And I think the results there kind of speak for themselves. And, and I think you saw similar things happening in New Orleans with Pete Carmichael, where the offense kind of felt rudderless. It was like you were just throwing things against the wall, seeing what would stick. And it was all to kind of maintain this, this, this shell of an offense around what you believe to be a roster that can, that can win. It didn't work out, or at least, you know, it wasn't an abject failure, right? It wasn't the worst offense in the NFL. And there are people out there who will tell you it was the worst offense in the NFL. You'll see you'll see rankings that put Derek Carr at number 29 of 32 quarterbacks, which is like, come on, y'all. Let's, let's be realistic for a second about, about what we witnessed the last two years um, and, and what goes on around the NFL and some of the putrid offenses in the NFL over the last several years, but it wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. And that's where this team clearly found itself at a crossroads of, we got to do something. We got to rebuild something. And that's what you saw this off season. You fired eight offensive coaches. You hired Clint Kubiak as the offensive coordinator. It was a long search. I think you interviewed, you interviewed uh, roughly a dozen candidates, maybe 11. I don't know. Dennis Allen talked about it, but it, a lot of that, I think, was driven by you had to wait to interview Clint Kubiak until after the divisional round of the playoffs. You couldn't hire him officially until after the Super Bowl. So what are you going to do in the meantime? Just twiddle your thumbs? No, you're going to interview. You're going to bring in people. You're going you're gonna to get feedback. You're going to talk to them. You're going to learn. And that's what the Saints did. And at the end of the day, you look at it and you say, okay, who was your top target? And I think it was Clint Kubiak the whole time. So in that vein, it's a success. Now, will it be a success as you go forward? That's a whole different question. But let's hear what Dennis Allen had to say on the 
NFL Report podcast. I'm not going to play you the whole thing. I'm just going to play you this one answer. It's an extended answer, but it is important. And he talks about Clint Kubiak, why the Saints were drawn to Clint, what they think he can provide. And, you know, I thought it was a pretty illuminating answer. I'm going to link to the NFL Report podcast in the show notes and on the description on YouTube. So I recommend you go listen to it. It was a good interview. I'm going to paraphrase a good deal more of it, but it was about 10 minutes long. He answered a few significant questions and uh, I I think they did a good job with it. So without further ado, here is that clip from the NFL report podcast. Obviously we went through an extensive search in terms of interviewing a lot of people for this position. I I think we interviewed 11 or 12 offensive coordinator candidates, Mm -hmm. a lot of really qualified guys. I felt like, you know, we really needed to do a deep dive into a lot of different schemes and a lot of different personalities that I wanted to really look at, you know, what was going to be the best fit for the New Orleans Saints for our players that we have here and the things that we need to try to get accomplished. And I felt like Clint Kubiak was obviously the the, the person of choice. And, and I've known Clint for a long time. I, I feel like I've known the family for, you know, probably over 20, 30 years. Uh, I remember watching Clint's dad, Gary, play quarterback back at Texas A&M. <laughs> You know, yep. growing up, so I feel like I, I feel like I've known this family. I feel like I've I've known uh, this scheme um, for a long time, and 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 I feel like this is the best scheme that gives your players the best chance to have success. That's going in the National Football League right now, and and uh, uh, I think Clint uh, is highly intelligent. Uh, he's extremely hard worker. I think we've put together an outstanding staff uh, with a little bit of a mixture of some older veteran coaches that have been there, done that with some uh, younger uh, progressive mindset type of guys. And and I think it's going to be a great mixture for our, for our organization. So, yeah, I mean, I, you heard, you heard a few things there, obviously. And, and we knew this, this is something that we've talked about on this podcast. It's not exactly breaking new ground. Dennis Allen and the Kubiaks, go way back when Dennis Allen was a player at Texas A&M in 1992, Clint Kubiak, I'm sorry, Gary Kubiak was the running backs coach for that team. Like that's how interconnected this group is. You know, Dennis Allen, Clint Kubiak, Gary Kubiak, there are all those ties to Texas A&M and the scheme you're talking about. Now, this is another thing you're going to, you're going to come in here and I want to see Clint build his scheme. I want to see him come in and and have his own idea of what this offense is going to look like. But what you what you hear from Dennis Allen, what he talked about in this interview, he talks about this offense being very QB friendly. He talks about this offense incorporating, you know, more eye candy than it, than it probably had when he first encountered it. But at the end of the day, it all goes back to the Gary Kubiak offense. And you can call it the Kubiak Shanahan offense if you want. It all kind of goes back to Gary and and and, and Mike. Shanahan with the Broncos in that in that system that was brought in. It's going to incorporate a lot of play action. It's going to incorporate a lot of wide zone. It's going to incorporate a lot of motion. And at the end of the day, it's a variation of this scheme that we've seen kind of running rampant across the NFL over the last few seasons. And, and it's not just the Kyle Shanahan version of this offense. It's a, it's a lot of different versions of this offense. But I think that's the idea that when, when DA went into this offseason, kind of wanting to build 
kind of wanting to build, rebuild this offensive staff. That's what he was looking for. And you're looking for something that can be quarterback friendly, that can, that can get to the points of Derek Carr that he was succeeding at. And one thing Dennis Allen pointed to was later in the year, they got to the play action more often, more frequently. And, and they had, they had a success in that. And, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because I do wonder how much of this was Dennis Allen was kept on and were there caveats involved in that? Because the point of keeping Dennis Allen on was to keep the continuity. And so how much freedom did the front office give Dennis Allen to rebuild his staff from the jump? And I would guess not a ton. I would guess that there was a lot, you know, it's not, it's not an order, not an edict, but there's a strong suggestion that, Hey, let's do this. Right. And, and after two years, it clearly did not work. And, I think you ended up giving DA a little bit more leeway to rebuild the staff. And that's what he did. He crushed everything that had been done. He moved everybody out that had connections to Sean Payton, basically. I mean, other than a few assistants, right? Other than like a Jari Evans and a Kevin Petrie, you're looking at guys who are pretty much his staff and his build. And one of the really interesting things that he got into, that DA got into in that interview, I'm not going to play you the clip, but you can go listen to it if you want. He talked about how this offensive restructure is a is is being looked at along the same lines as is his restructure of the defense when he showed up in 2016 and worked with Rob Ryan and there had been a lot of different ideas as to how the Saints wanted to run their defense to that point you know there was a stretch where they tried to go 3-4 and and you could say that was okay you can say it works whatever they didn't stay committed to that they went back to a 4-3 you looked at the Seattle defense whether you wanted to mimic that and do whatever but it wasn't until kind of 2016-2017 when DA was able to sit down and kind of take over the offense and say this is what we're going to do this is the scheme we're going to run and we need to go out and find those guys we need to go out and find the types of players that fit what we're doing we're going to have a definitive plan we're going to know what we're doing and we're going to draft we're going to bring in players that fit what we're trying to do there's going to be no more kind of allowing the rut to guide us we are going to set our own path in terms of how we're going to operate now we're going to live and die by that being correct but i think that having a plan and sticking to it is the idea here. And it worked in 2017. You brought in a bunch of players. You drafted Marshawn Lattimore. Remember this was a team that had prior to that point, not invested a ton of draft capital at the cornerback position. That, and, and the first thing you did in 2017, now, obviously they wanted to draft Pat Mahomes. Sean Payton did. And I think if Pat Mahomes had been there at 11, the saints would have taken him, but he wasn't. And the next course of action was to bring in Marshawn Lattimore. And he helped you redefine what this defense was going to do over the next several years and how they were going to play. And you saw this team really kind of lean into man-to-man concepts to, you know, uh, two-man concepts where you're relying on corners on the outside to lock down and giving your safeties freedom to kind of roam. And you're going to have end-to-end linebackers and you brought in Demario Davis and he was the perfect fit. And you've been trying to find a will linebacker that kind of matches that. And there've been fits and starts with Pete Warner, but you had that idea. And, and the reason I'm going into this is because that's the type of restructuring that Dennis Allen said he was looking for this season. And I think that tells you a lot as to how he felt about this offense over the last two years. And that it was a little rudderless, that you didn't have a plan, that you were kind of just throwing things against the wall 
and seeing if it would fit and, you know, call it whatever you want. This team is going to go into this season with a, with a very specific plan in mind and they're going to have to execute. Now the questions become, and, and Dennis Allen alluded to this. He said that the offensive staff had been in the facility over the weekend. They sat down with scouts and you're having kind of these pre-draft meetings, these February draft meetings where you're getting ready for the combine. You're getting ready for some of these visits, right? And it's going to be on the coaching staff to help guide the scouts in terms of what types of players are you bringing in, right? Well, what, what types of blocking schemes do you need to draft for, to prepare for? Who are you looking at in these in this draft class that can help you do that? And who are you looking at in free agency that can help you kind of adjust? The next question after that is going to be, who needs to be replaced? Because it does sound like this team is not beholden to what they've been doing. I think they're going to be willing to replace people on the offensive side of the ball. It doesn't sound like that's going to be at the quarterback position, but DA did mention the quarterback position when he was talking about the draft. So I do think that kind of tells you, hey, this might be the draft that you look at quarterback. And whether it's in the first round, there's going to be a few a few options that you can take if you get to 45, right? So I do think that you have to consider that. You know, I was on a conference call with Daniel Jeremiah, and one of the things that he he talked about, and I think is fair, this is an incredibly strong quarterback class in 2024. If you look ahead to 2025 and you look at what some of the scouts and the analysts are telling you, they're not excited about that quarterback class. And, and it's not that unusual, right? If you go back a year ago, who, who, who are the quarterbacks you're looking at? You go back two years ago and the only first round pick in that class was Kenny Pickett. And I would argue that he, they, the Steelers reached for him because he was a Pittsburgh guy and they wanted to keep the fans happy. Because what happened this year? He got hurt and then ended up losing his job to Mason Rudolph in the, for a playoff run. What does that tell you about how much faith they have in Kenny Pickett? So, you know, it's not a given that the quarterback class is going to be strong every year. So if you end up with a situation where you can go and get a guy this year, I think you're going to have to do it because you're not going to bring in a new offensive staff and say it's Derek Carr or bust for the duration. You need to plan for the future. And I think that's how you do it. So there's going to be a lot that we'll see as this offseason builds. There's going to be a lot that this team has to install, a lot of decisions they have to make. But I do think you're going to get a pretty good indicator of, of how they feel about certain positions with how they how they attack free agency and who they bring in. Um, because right now, I think the offensive line is a huge question. Can you block the way you need to block with the people in the building? Can that be Trevor Penning? Can he win that job? I don't think they're gonna they're going to go into this offseason – assuming that he'll win that job. I think you have to have a contingency plan. Can that contingency plan be Andres Pete? Is he a guy that you trust? Can What about at the guard position, the Cesar Ruiz? Um, you know, I, I think James Hurst, right? Max Garcia, whoever you... There's not a lot of a lot of love there, in my opinion, outside of Eric McCoy, right? Right, right, right tackle with Ryan Ramchek. You feel good about it to an extent, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, but what if his knee breaks down on him? What do we do then? So that's those are going to be the next questions. But I do think that there's a there's excitement here that Dennis Allen is is being allowed to build his staff in the way that you probably should have let him do from day one. And you're gonna and you're gonna live or die with it, right? Um and and it's gonna be interesting. But I do appreciate the approach. It should have been it's what you should have done two years ago, or at the very least last offseason, better late than never. Uh, Clint Kubiak's going to have a lot of expectations. He's going to have a tight, tight needle to 
to thread here. But if you can do it, it's going to look genius. If it falls apart, then, uh, you know, that cap bomb might show up a little earlier than than expected. And uh, we'll, we'll see. But, but all right, let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the six hires and a, and a few promotions, if you will, that have come in over the last week. They've been officially announced. So we're going to kind of do it a do a meet the staff segment uh, for the last two segments. We're going to kind of do a meet the staff uh, edition of Inside Black and Gold over the final two segments of this podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that wherever you get your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noack. You can follow my co-host Steve Geller at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. And you can check out the latest news, notes, and analysis over at WWL.com. This is Inside Black and Gold. We will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. This is the Meet the Staff segment. And we're going to go through the six hires and two what I'll call promotions uh, that have been reported uh, on the on the Saints offensive staff. And, and the first one I'm going to get into is Jordan Trailer. It's been reported that he's going to be promoted to the assistant quarterbacks coach role, whatever you want to call it. It's not going to be listed that way. Uh, when you're an offensive assistant, you're an offensive assistant, and that's what you're kind of listed as. But he's sticking on the staff. Jari Evans is also going to stick on the staff. I expect him to be the assistant offensive line coach. Um, and he was kind of in the third banana role behind Kevin Carberry last year. I think that's kind of Kevin Carberry went to the Bucks to be their offensive line coach. So you move Jari Evans up. DJ Williams had been kind of the assistant quarterbacks coach. He's now with the Atlanta Falcons as their quarterbacks coach. So you move up Jordan Trailer. You're going to keep Kevin Petrie. You're going to keep Mike Martinez, who was an assistant to the head coach, whatever, whatever that means. It's tough to, it's tough to know. Uh, does he get coffee? Does he does he does he make make printouts? Does does he you know make photocopies? I don't know, but he's going to stick around. Uh, so it's good for him, good for Kevin Petrie, good for Jordan Trailer. But the first guy we're going to talk about is the guy Jordan Trailer is going to be assisting, and that is Andrew Janoko. I figured out how to say it. It is Janoko. So uh, in case anyone was wondering and why I kept vacillating between Janoko and Janako, it's Janoko. Uh, it's simple. But so, you know, this is a guy who has familiarity with Clint Kubiak. They were together with the Vikings in 2021. And then that staff got dissolved. Clint went to Denver. Andrew ended up in Chicago on Luke Getze's staff. Neither of those 
uh, tenures, I would say, went particularly well. Clint was the quarterback's coach to Russell Wilson, had one of his worst seasons of his career. Andrew went to be the quarterback's coach for Justin Fields. And you can, you know, it, it, it's interesting. You can, you, I'm of two minds about Justin Fields. One, I think Justin Fields can be a good NFL quarterback. And I think you have seen him develop over the last two years to a degree. I just don't know if he was ever used correctly with the Bears. And I think that's why you move on from Luke Getze and you figure it out. The Bears have the number one overall pick. They're probably going to draft Caleb Williams. I think you're crazy to not draft the, you know, this this quarterback, the, the, the next coming guy when you have the number one overall pick. You only get there so often. And they also have another high pick. So you can add a weapon. You can add a, a star tackle. You can do whatever. The Bears are in a good position but the question becomes, what do you do with Justin Fields? I don't know. Does he end up in Atlanta? I don't know. But Andrew Janoco is here. And so from 22 to 23, Fields completed 419 to 688 passes, 60%, 4,804 yards, 33 touchdown passes. And he also ran the ball 284 times for 1,800 yards. You know, it's kind of a strange thing. You go from being the quarterback's coach for probably the best running quarterback in the NFL. Eh, that's That's not true. Lamar Jackson is the best running quarterback. But... Uh, you know, one of the top, I'd say top three, you know, it's probably Lamar and then Josh Allen, Justin Fields, something somewhere along those lines, right? Like Jalen Hurts is up there too, but uh, Justin Fields, what Justin Fields does better than just about anyone not named Lamar is run the ball. What Derek Carr does better than anyone else is not run the ball. <laughs> he Like Derek is not going to run. You're not going to put Derek in a position to run. So that's really strange. But in 2023, Fields improved in most categories. He upped his completion percentage, more yards, more touchdowns. He he ran the ball 125 times for 657 yards and four touchdowns. So you could say he got better. You could say the coaching worked. Now, the interesting thing with with Andrew is he's a he's a quick game guy. You know, you'll hear him talking and he will make it clear that the quick game is is where a quarterback needs to thrive to have success. You look at the top offenses in the NFL and those offenses are typically the ones running a lot of quick game. You know, it's the 49ers. It's, it's, it's the, the Eagles, right? It's, it's these teams that get the ball of the quarterback's hands quickly and allow your playmakers to make plays. It's really that simple. You know, these are not long passing concepts. These are not long routes. You're getting the ball in their hands in space and you're letting your athletes go to work. And that's something that I've been pretty critical of over the last two years is where's the yak? Where's the yards after catch, right? Where's the running? Where is the taking advantage of the athleticism of a Rashid Shahid, of a Chris Olave? Now you've done that with Rashid Shahid downfield, but where are the quick slants? Where are the the situations where you get the ball in their hands in the middle of the field and you let that punt return uh, ability kind of take over. You haven't really seen it. Um, and I think that's going to be something that quarterbacks, coach, offensive coordinator really work together on to, to get the best of, right? Janoko was a three-year letter winner as a backup quarterback and holder on special teams at the University of Pittsburgh. You use that information for what you will. He was also a starting quarterback in high school, went to Rutgers. He was with the Bucks in 2012-2013. He was the offensive assistant under Greg Schiano, which is an interesting connection. 2014, he was at Mercyhurst University. So he's, he's pretty well-traveled. He's an interesting guy. Now, moving on to the next guy on this list, it's Rick Dennison. And Rick Dennison is a guy that another very highly touted coach. You know, he's been coaching since 1992, Right. Uh, he was 
he's entering his 28th season as a coach. So, you know, this is kind of where you get into the, um, okay, we have a young offensive coordinator. We have a young quarterbacks coach. And then we have Rick Dennison, who is this as veteran as you get as an offensive assistant or whatever you want to call. I think it was initially reported he was going to be the run game coordinator. I think that's what he is going to focus on. And I don't know if he's technically going to have that title of run game coordinator. Not every team hands that out, even if that's something you're tasked with in the past. It had been Joel Thomas, who was the running backs coach slash run game coordinator. In a lot of instances, that's tied to like a pay raise or whatever. Um, It's just, it's a title so that you can throw that out in a job interview. One way or another, I think you're going to look to Rick to really help the offensive line and the running backs try to execute this new scheme under Clint Kubiak. He's been in the NFL for 28 seasons, 20 winning seasons, 13 playoff appearances, five division titles, and five Super Bowl victories, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, He's coached 18 different players that have been selected to the Pro Bowl across seven different positions. That includes six offensive linemen, his rushing offense has averaged 2,056 yards a season and 4.4 yards per carry while producing 14.8 touchdowns a season. So I think what you're seeing with the Saints is you're going to see an investment in the run game. And you're going to see an investment in getting Alvin Kamara in space, getting Rashid Shaheed in space, getting your athletes in space. And that's something that you're going to need Janoko. You're going to need Rick Dennison to really take a front foot on. Um, you know, this is a guy who's worked with Dalvin Cook. Uh, Dalvin Cook prior to this season was one of the most consistent running backs in the NFL. The Vikings kind of moved on from a lot of these coaches and then they moved on from Dalvin Cook. And you can say, well, look, he had a really rough season in terms of he signed on with the Jets. He never really got any attention there. I think he ended up with what the Ravens late in the year. Never really, you know, you, you saw a guy who looked old. Um, so you can't really blame the Vikings for moving on from him. But one way or another, Rick Dennison worked with him. He's also was with the Jets in 2018. He was with the Bills in 2017. He's with the Broncos from 2016 to 2018. The Ravens from in 2014. The Texans 2010 to 2013. And then his, his longest stint was with the Broncos. He was there for 14 years. He was there from 1995 to 2009. He joined as an offensive assistant, obviously moved up. That's where he was a part of two Super Bowls. Um, and the NFL... And the Denver led the NFL in rushing from 2001 to 2005. The average 145.6 yards per game. And this was the the Mike Shanahan heyday, right? So here you see these connections again with the Shanahan-Kubiak scheme of yesteryear. Um, you know, he's a guy who he played nine seasons as a linebacker. So he's another guy, you know, it, it, this is another interesting connection when you think about, okay, the Saints now have two coaches on the offensive side of the ball that actually played defense in college at Colorado state. Clint Kubiak was a safety at Colorado state. Rick Dennison was a linebacker at Colorado state, both shifted to the offensive side of the ball. (laughs) So, you know, you can go back to Texas A&M, you can go back to Colorado state either way. You know, these guys all kind of linked together in some way. Next, you're going to look at John Benton, you know, the offensive line coach. I think everyone could look at this, this saints offensive staff and probably agree you need to make a change at offensive line coach. I don't think anyone anticipated, okay, you're going to make changes all the way down the roster, the coaching roster, the way you did. 
But hey, that's where we are. And John Benton is a guy that I think has a lot of respect in the NFL. It's another one of these, okay, we have some young coaches. We have some young position coaches. Now we have a veteran. And this is a guy who has been coaching since 1987. You know, another guy that goes back to Colorado State. That's where he began as a coach, 1987 through 1990. He went to Cal, 1990 to 1994. Then Colorado State again, 1995 to 2003. Interestingly, they didn't. He didn't cross pads with Clint Kubiak. Clint was there from 2005 to 2009. So John Benton was already gone to the NFL. By that point, he joined the St. Louis Rams, 2004, 2005. He was the offensive line coach. Guys like Orlando Pace. All pro, you know, he went from there to the Houston Texans. He's with the Texans from 2006 to 13. So you're again, you're seeing these connections. The the Houston, Colorado State. He was the offensive line coach in Miami in 2014, 2015, 2016. He was the offensive line coach for the Jaguars. Their their sack total went down by 17 year over year after he took over the Jaguars. 2017 to 2020, he was with the 49ers. So here's another Shanahan. Here's another connection to the 49ers three-year offensive line coach. And then 21-22, he was with the New York Jets. He spent a year out of the coaching ranks. Now he's back. I think this is a guy who makes a lot of sense to A, kind of revamp your blocking structure in whatever way you need to to kind of fit the Kubiak offense vision. And he's also a guy that I think has a has a bit more of a track record of developing developing talent. Right. So hopefully this is a guy who can kind of take the, you know, mold of what you found with Trevor Penning and turn it into something that's that's able to get you where you need to go, because to this point, you have not had that. So that's the first few coaching hires. Again, these are guys that we knew about in the next segment. We're going to hear about a couple of guys that came into the picture more recently wide receivers coach, assistant wide receivers coach, guys like that. But all right, this is inside black and gold. So far, we've gone through Andrew Janoco, assistant quarterbacks coach, Jordan Trailer, senior offensive assistant, Rick Dennison, offensive line coach, John Benton, assistant offensive line coach, Jari Evans. One more note that I'll give you on Rick Dennison. We don't really know how the Rick Dennison-Kubiak combination as offensive coordinator is going to work, even though they were together with the Vikings. It was supposed to be Rick Dennison, Clint Kubiak, Andrew Noko, these guys. But Rick Dennison would not get vaccinated, so he was promoted, whatever you want to say, shifted into a role where he was not in contact with the team. And I, I do think that had an impact on Clint, and we'll never know what that might have looked like with him in there. But I do think this is kind of an attempt to rebuild that in a way that we're going to actually see the results of that. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about four more coaches that have been hired. Stick around. Inside of black and gold. I know I went off on that last segment. I said four more coaches that have been hired. I lied. Three more coaches that have been hired. One that's sticking around. And that coach that's sticking around is tight ends coach Clancy Barone. He's the only position coach that was retained. And he also was the only position coach that was hired on the offensive side of the ball prior to the 2023 season. So he was already a Dennis Allen hire. So it made sense. He also, you know, you loop back and 
He did cross paths with Clint Kubiak in Minnesota. I think they also crossed paths in Denver. I'd have to double check. But there's a there's a connection there. It makes sense that these guys would would still work together. Um, and, you know, I, I had some people telling me, ah, they should fire Clancy Barone. You didn't get enough out of the tight end position. I disagree. I think that the tight end position was fine. I think the bigger question is, do you have the talent at the tight end position? And is Jawan Johnson that guy? We saw flashes late in the year that that he could be that guy. I think injuries really impacted him over the first half of the season. And kind of a, the camaraderie with Derek Carr is is a question of, okay, is it good enough? But I think keeping Clancy Barone is a smart move. Another veteran coach that kind of pairs with some of these other guys. And we'll, we'll talk about him here. The first one we'll talk about is the running backs coach, Derek Foster. You know, this is a guy, you know, again, you're talking about some veteran guys, some younger guys. He's a younger guy. He played running back and wide receiver in college, Southwest Baptist. He started 41 to 44 games for the Bearcats and finished his career with 2,062 all-purpose yards. He's a, guy, he's, he's a guy from Georgia. That's why he got his coaching start at Valdosta State. He worked with wide receivers, special teams units. So this is a guy who, you know, he's a running backs coach, but he does understand the wide receiver side of the equation. And I think when you're working with a guy like Alvin Kamara, who I think has been vastly underused as a receiver, from the running back position. I like that. I like that idea that you can kind of bridge those two worlds. He coached running backs at Tennessee back in 2012. He was also with Northwestern State from 2013 to 2015. Samford University, 2016-17. He coached for the University of Iowa. He coached running backs from 2018 to 20. And the past three seasons, he has worked with the LA Chargers. And obviously you look at, okay, what's been going on with the LA Chargers over the last few years? Hasn't been great, but he was able to lead Austin Eckler, who is a running back that I would say has similar skill set to Alvin Kamara, to a bunch of career seasons, a ton of touchdowns, a ton of yards. And this is a guy who I think able to marry well into what you're looking for out of, out of Alvin Kamara. Now, my bigger question is how does he work with Kendra Miller? Can he kind of get can he kind of elevate Kendra into, into a pro, into a guy who's reliable week in, week out? Because, you know, you saw flashes from Kendra. He's a young guy, right? He's one of the youngest players in that locker room. And I don't know if you, if you had the type of production out of him that you hoped for, but the guy you saw in week 18 showed you flashes of, of, a, of an RB1. Uh, and, and a guy that, you know, if you can get that, married with the Alvin Kamara that we saw and Jamal Williams is a wild card. But I think those two guys can be a really dynamic tandem at running back for you. And hopefully uh, Derek Foster is a guy who can, who can help tease that out of him. Eckler set single season career highs in 2022 with 1,637 yards from scrimmage, 13 rushing touchdowns, 915 yards and 107 receptions, 107 receptions that led all running backs was tied for fifth most in the NFL total the fifth most receptions in the NFL were Austin Eckler now the four ahead of him were receivers right (laughs) now like I don't know exactly how the Saints are going to run their offense in terms of how prioritized the running back is going to be in the passing game but it, I sure hope it is. And I sure hope you can get back to the world where we see Alvin Kamara going downfield on routes. I talked to Alvin this last offseason, and and he was excited. He thought that that was going to be something that was used a lot more. Well, I hate to break it to you. It was not. You did not see Alvin running routes downfield, at least not 
as the pri- primary target at all. Right. I mean, like you, you could probably count on one hand when he was even targeted more than eight to 10 yards down the field. It was all check downs, screens, and, and that's fine. I need you to incorporate Alvin in that way. You don't get to 107 catches as a running back if you're not catching screens and check downs. But where are the wheel routes? Like, where are the out and ups? Right. Where, where are all these routes that you saw he can execute at a high level and you're not taking advantage of it? Right. I, I, I hate it. I hate it. And hopefully, hopefully, Derek, hopefully, Clint Kubiak, hopefully, this offense can get back to, um, you know, kind of that era of Saints offense where it's more than just three yards in a cloud of dust, right? Because uh, I've been I've been frustrated for Alvin over the past two seasons uh, because it's it's just it's it doesn't work like it's not what you need. And I, I should say three seasons because the 2021 season with Jameis. Jameis has never been a guy that throws to running backs a ton. And you saw that in that season. He had one game where he threw to Alvin 10 times, but I think he had 10 catches total over the other five games. So, you know, it it hasn't really, you haven't really seen, you know, pass catcher Alvin in his full form since probably like 2018, 2019. And to me, that's a problem. So hopefully, hopefully this new staff can address that. All right. Next up is two guys coaching the wide receivers. And this is incredibly important in today's NFL and just in general on the saints, because you have a lot of young players, you have a lot of impressionable players and I need those guys to show up and show out. Assuming Mike Thomas is gone. This is Chris Olave's room. Now it's no longer going to have that kind of veteran voice, at least not from a star's perspective. It's going to have to be on Chris Olave. And so the guy you brought in to be your wide receivers coaches is an intriguing one. And it's Keith Williams, right? This is a, you know, his name kind of came up, early last week. So we had a, we had a head start on the idea that Keith Williams would be the guy, but he's, he's also interesting as you look at the connections. He is connected to new Orleans. He was the two lane wide receivers coach from 2012 to 2014. He got his coaching start at Solano community college way back in 2000. So he's a guy who was, he's on the younger side, but he's been coaching for a long time. He was at San Jose state 2001 to 2004, he was an offensive coordinator in addition to coaching wide receivers at San Jose City College in 05 and 08. And one of his most intriguing connections is 2019 to 2011, where he worked with wide receivers at Fresno State, who just so happened to have Derek Carr coming through as a quarterback during that time. So they have crossed paths. They know we, I'm, I'm sure they know each other. I haven't asked <laughs> but I'm sure they know of each other. You don't coach wide receivers and not and not deal with the the quarterback. So that's an interesting connection. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how, how well they know each other. He's also worked with wide receivers at the university of Nebraska. He was with the San Antonio commanders in 2019, which is an AAF team, which I, I don't en- entirely know much about that league. And the past three years, he's been with the Baltimore Ravens. The first two years, he was an assistant wide receivers coach this past season. He took over as the full fledged wide receivers coach. And, you know, you could say the Ravens offense in terms of the passing game has not been particularly dynamic. You know, that's a critique you could make, but you know, I, I, I think that it's when you're looking at a guy like Lamar Jackson, it's a, it's a question of, okay, can the receivers work with the quarterback? And I don't think coaching the receivers and coaching the quarterback are necessarily the same thing. And you did see 
Zay Flowers, rookie, have a great season. He set two franchise records for rookies, 77 catches, 858 yards. He had five receiving touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. So you saw a lot of development, a lot of good work out of Zay. You know, in, in Keith's first year there, Marquise Hollywood Brown had 91 catches, over 1,000 yards. He got paid off of that season. You know, like he his his whole allure is off of that season as that deep threat with Lamar Jackson. And he's on the Cardinals now. He was solid, not not great. Um, but no, this is I think this is a good coaching hire. I think a lot of these are, are good hires. I think you've got a lot of respect around these hires and, and you're going to go from there. One last name, and this is the only name on this list that you would say, hey, this is a guy I had not heard his name prior. <laughs> the other five guys who were officially hired this week had been reported previously. The only one who was not, and, and this is probably because Keith Williams was not made official his hire until late in the late last week. So he probably was like, hey, I want this guy <laughs> as my wide receiver, as my assistant wide receivers coach. And that's what you got. It's Denarius McGee, another young Guy, he was a four-year starter at quarterback for Montana State. He actually still holds the record for the school's all-time winningest quarterback. He also holds program records at Montana State in passing yards, touchdowns, and he's the only player in program history to win Big Sky MVP twice. That was in 2010 and 2012. But, you know, obviously, quarterback, wide receiver, it's good to know both ends of that equation. He got his coaching start in 2014 at Florida Atlantic. He also was at NC State two seasons as a grad assistant. Montana State went back as a coach from 2017 to 2019. He was in various roles there. And in the last three-plus seasons, he's been with the Houston Texans. Now, if you recall, Gerard Johnson was one of the candidates for the Saints offensive coordinator position. He's the quarterback's coach on Bobby Slowick's staff. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Denarius got a got a glowing review from Gerard during that interview process, and that's one of the reasons you ended up getting a look at him. But during that time, he was an offensive assistant, right? And we've talked about how those roles can be a little varied. You don't always know exactly what guys are doing when they get that offensive assistant title, but he worked primarily with quarterbacks and wide receivers, right? So Jerry spent a lot of time with Gerard Johnson, and, you know, if someone was linked to C.J. Stroud this past season in any capacity, you're going to look at them and be like, yeah, I could I could use that guy uh, because, man, C.J. Stroud, he ended the year complete 63 percent of his passes, 4,108 yards, 23 touchdowns. He had a 100.8 rating. He was the offensive rookie of the year. I don't even know if we had to. We could have said that halfway through the season that he's the rookie of the year. I don't think it was ever even up for debate. But then you look at the receivers, right? You look at Tank Dell had a really solid rookie season until he had to go down with the injury. Nico Collins is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL that nobody talks about. And he's been able to break out to some extent under the tutelage of Denarius and and the Texans coaching staff. So, you know, I, I think that that's another solid hire. I'm interested to see how well he works with some of these wide receivers and and so that's 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 the room, right? So quarterbacks coach Andrew Janoco, assistant quarterbacks coach Jordan Taylor, senior offensive assistant Rick Dennison, offensive line coach John Benton, assistant offensive line coach Jari Evans. You also have assistant Kevin Petrie and assistant to the head coach Mike Martinez. And you also have tight ends coach Clancy Barome, running backs coach Derek Foster, wide receivers coach Keith Williams, and assistant 
wide receivers coach, Denarius McGee. Now, I know that was kind of a whirlwind, but that's your coaching staff. You've met them. I think we can get more into the weeds on some of these guys as we go forward. I It's tough because it's like I didn't I wanted to introduce everybody, so I wasn't able to get much more than surface level on any of these guys. But those are the that's the offensive coaching staff that uh, <laughs> is going to be tasked with rescuing Dennis Allen's tenure as the Saints head coach and doing so with Derek Carr and finding a way to tease a successful season out of Derek Carr. You know, it's it's funny because. I've talked to people and and it's like, well, they had such an easy schedule this past year. How can they possibly expect to have the league's easiest schedule again? Well, I, I hate to break it to you. The team with the easiest schedule in the NFL next year, based on strength of schedule, based on this past year's winning percentage, which is what designated the easiest schedule in the NFL this year, it's the Saints. The Saints have the easiest schedule again. Because they play in the NFC South. You know who, who is all ranked toward the bottom in terms of schedule difficulty? Every team in the NFC South because they play each other. So, you know, any team that plays the Panthers twice is going to have uh, one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. Now, they're probably going to be slightly better. But either way, it's going to be this coach's, this coaching staff's job to figure that out. But all right, that's going to end this episode of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We're going to be coming back early next week. We're going to be doing more draft stuff. I have some quotes from Daniel Jeremiah. He did his conference call today, talked about, you know, offensive line prospects and cornerback prospects, guys to watch in this, in the combine coming up next week. I'm going to be out of the state starting Sunday. So you're going to see a, a, a much less professional looking background uh, over my shoulder. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when it is built. So, all right, thanks, everyone, for listening. Sorry, I've been rambling, and I've just been kind of going and going and going. But we made it. All right, y'all. Who dat? Peace out.